Welcome to One Cause Church. Here is another inspirational message from Senior Pastor Eric Holler. You have to stay aware of this. Righteousness comes one way, by faith. Can you say that with me? Righteousness comes one way, by faith. And we learned it from here. Genesis 15, 6. And he, this is Abram before he was Abraham. We'll say Abraham because Abram's, I don't know why Abram is harder to say than Abraham. You ever found that? Okay, maybe I'm, it's just my own problem. And he believed in the Lord and he, God, accounted it to him, Abraham, for righteousness. He believed God and God credited Abraham as righteous, his faith as righteousness. This is a powerful thought. And if you don't get this, then you're going to think righteousness comes from other things. If I just do what I'm supposed to do, right? If I do it, if I obey, if I keep the commandments, if I do this, this and that and that, then, then, then I'll, I, I will live in righteousness. No, 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 no. And Abraham is our teacher here. The Lord has intentionally um, put us in this family as Abraham is the father of our faith so that we go back and look at him so that we can know what we can live in. We can know exactly what faith means for us, why we need faith, and what faith is to God. God said, your faith is righteousness. God accounted it to him. Think about that. When God saw faith, he saw righteousness. And he believed in the Lord. The NLT says, and Abram believed the Lord, and the Lord counted it, counted him as righteous because of his faith. So this became the centerpiece of Paul's teaching, the revelation he brought to the Gentile church. Now look at this. We're going to look for just a moment at a couple of letters that Paul wrote. Now we know Paul wrote, uh, as far as volumes of books, that he wrote most of them. Now a volume of, con- of content, Luke actually wrote more content than everybody between Luke and Acts. But Paul wrote most of the books. and But two of those books are so vital. And these two letters are where we... Uh, find Paul's greatest emphasis on uh, in explaining and defending the gospel of Christ. All right, and those two books are, and I highly recommend that you have a regular reading these things: Romans and Galatians. All right, Romans is such a thorough book, it's such a great explanation of the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Uh, uh, while we were yet sinners, God demonstrated his own love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And then we learned the, the difference between what Adam and Jesus did in Romans chapter 5 a little bit later on. By one man's sin, death entered the world. Much more by the one man's free gift of righteousness, the one man's obedience, many are made righteous. So it shows us the contrast between Adam and the last Adam, Jesus Christ. Romans chapter 8, I mean, good Lord. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. But Romans chapter 4 is where we get down kind of to the nitty-gritty of this relationship, our connection to Abraham as Gentiles, as people who did not originally have a covenant with God, but now because of the way the Lord worked with Abraham, gave us entrance to have a relationship with God. All right, so Romans chapter four, verse three. Are you guys with me? I told the first service this, I'm gonna tell you, we're putting the T-bone on the plate right now. We have skipped salad, we've skipped the appetizer. We're going straight for the steak, all right? So it's gonna be a little meaty this morning. Can you handle the meat? All right, then let's do it. For what does the scripture say? So Abram, I mean, Paul takes this where? To Genesis 15, six. What does the scripture say? Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Look at verse nine. Does this blessedness then come upon the circumcised only or upon the uncircumcised also? What he's saying is, is this only for the Jews or is it also for the Gentiles? 
For we say that faith was accounted to Abraham for righteousness. So he takes us back to that truth, right? Faith equals righteousness, all right? Verse 13, for the promise that he, that's Abraham, would be heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law or through keeping the rules, but because Abraham did all the right stuff. No, but through the righteousness of faith. Wow. And then in Galatians chapter 3, now this is where Paul gives his greatest defense of the gospel because there were people coming in and trying to move the Galatian church, the free in Jesus Galatian church, off of their liberty in Christ and into the bondage of keeping the rules. And so Paul is having to recenter them. And he says, if anybody comes and preaches any other gospel than what I've preached to you, let them be accursed. As a matter of fact, even if an angel from heaven, or if I came back with a different message, let me go to hell. Because I gave you what you needed. I gave you what you needed, and you've got to stay with what, what, what you've been given. All right? That simple gospel. So look at this. Galatians 3, 6. Just as Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. So again, Paul takes us back to that beginning with Abraham, and he's connecting us to Abraham. This is so important that we get this, because um, this is foundational, foundation to everything uh, when it comes to our relationship with God. Now, I want you to notice, it doesn't say that Abraham did something righteous. It said he believed God. So we're going to walk through just a little bit of Abraham's experience up until this point. All right? He's 75 years old. Genesis chapter 12 is where we first know about Abraham. And God comes to him and he says, get up and get out of your father's house. I'm going to take you to a land that you're going to inherit you and your children's children. And I will multiply you exceedingly. And he, I will bless you and you will be a blessing. Those kinds of things. He spoke to Abraham, the 75-year-old man. All right? 75 years old is not the time to start the new life. It's kind of the time where you're enjoying your retirement, playing some golf maybe whittling on the front porch. I don't know, but it's time to slow down, right? It's time to, yeah, just enjoy. But now Abraham's got to get up and get out of his father's house to a place he doesn't know where he's going. He's just following a voice. So he's, he's, he heads, so what does he do? He obeys God. He obeys God, but he's not made righteous. The very next chapter, he gets to the land that God had promised him, and there's a famine there. So Abraham's like, I'm out of here. And he goes to Egypt, and the scripture says that during that time, he got wealthy. And when he came out of Egypt, isn't this interesting? This is just a little bit of, of, of a reflection of what would happen later on when Moses would lead them out with great possessions. And he came out, and he was rich in silver, gold, and cattle, the, the scripture says. So he comes out, so he's blessed of God, no doubt, but he's not made righteous. Then you get to chapter 14, and his nephew Lot's been kidnapped. His nephew Lot was uh, living down in Sodom, which y'all know what happened to Sodom, but at this time, it's not like that. And so Abraham wants to go rescue his son. Well, these five kings go to war with these four kings, and there's this big battle. Well, guess what? The five kings could not beat the four kings. And so they, they fled for their lives. So Abraham says, well, I guess it's on me. He armed 318 men that he had in his house, lots of servants. 318 against four kings and their armies, and Abraham just went after them. Well, guess what? He beat them. And, and he got all the spoils, and, he, and he, all those that had been kidnapped, his, his lot and his family and, and the women and the children, and brought them safely back toward Sodom to meet the king of Sodom in this valley called the Valley of Shava. 
Now, I know I'm kind of going quickly, but I have to. All right, so as he's heading into this valley and he sees the king and he's bringing all the spoils of war and they've got this you know, parade coming in, all of a sudden this mysterious figure steps in between Abraham and this king of Sodom. It's a man by the name of Melchizedek. The Bible doesn't say a whole lot about him, but there is a whole lot about him. What is said is massive. And the scripture says that he was carrying with him bread and wine. And he says this to Abraham. Blessed, uh, Abram, blessed are you, Abram of God most high, possessor of heaven and earth. And blessed be God most high, who has delivered your enemies into your hands. You better believe it was God. 318 against four armies. Yeah, you know that this is God. And so the, the man of God was there to remind him, you ain't that great. <laughs> right? God has blessed you. And man, are you ever blessed, Abram. And, and in response to hearing that blessing, Abram tithed. He gave 10% to the, to the high priest right there. And see, this is the first time tithing is mentioned in the Bible. Later on, it became a, a law, part of the law. They, they weren't giving tithes, they were paying tithes. Everything about law is obligatory. Abraham just, God didn't tell him to give 10%. He did from a heart of gratitude to show, to prove this is God's blessing on my life and this is my response to God's blessing in my life. It's beautiful. So, Think about this. He's, he's brave and victorious in war. He tithes, still not made righteous. It's not until chapter 15, and he believed in the Lord, and the Lord accounted it to him for righteousness. Wow. See, even then, the Lord did not want to have a relationship with a man that the man had to earn. Because if, if he had to earn it, I think he'd earned it by them. All the things he had done at this point. That's not how God works. He likes faith. He responds to faith. Because this is where the relationship is real. This is where love can abound. It's not this, if you do this and do this and do this, then you know, we can have a good relationship. Well, no, when the law came, that's exactly what happened. You do good, get good. You do bad, you get bad. Right? But Abraham didn't even know about the law. It was 400 years before the law. He just walked by faith. He didn't have to hear those words, you shall not covet, you shall not steal, you shall not... He didn't, he didn't have... He was in faith. And the Bible says without faith, it's impossible to please God. But with faith, guess what? It's impossible not to please Him. This is what He wants us to live by. It's the holiest way to live. Amen. Can I get a good amen? amen. All right? Now listen, uh, in, in, in modern theology, and I see this in, in, in churches a lot, uh, in people's belief system, because they've been taught this, that the, the, the terms trusting God really is often used as just a phony excuse to not fight the good fight of faith. It's, it's right up there with those phrases like, it is what it is, everything happens for a reason, we're just trusting God. We're not going to do anything, right? It robs people of taking action in faith. It makes them stagnant. These words, trust, trusting, and all, uh, trusted, trust, are appear 28 times in the New Testament. Think about that compared to 555 on faith. 10 of those, only 10 of those 28 are actually directed toward God. Now, it's in the New Testament, but it's certainly not the emphasis. And listen, I'll, I'll just say the difference between trust and faith. Trust is, is you um, trusting God and, and um, understanding that when you can't change the circumstances, that's when you trust God, right? 
when, when there's nothing that you can do, you, you can't change, this is what you do. You, you trust God. And a lot of the, I'll just give you an example. Let's say you're in a relationship with someone. All right. Can you make them do what you want them to do? God won't allow that. He's given them the gift of choice, just like he's given you the gift of choice. So you can't manipulate with your, I'm confessing in Jesus' name. My rascal of a husband's going to change. He's going to start doing the dishes, you know, whatever. It don't work like that. Here's where you're going to have to trust God, that he's going to touch the heart, that he's going to help this relationship, that you cannot change that circumstance. God, that's on God. All right. But faith is how you change your circumstances. And there are plenty of circumstances you can change by faith. Let's just look at what the word of God says. By his stripes, I'm healed. If you're sick, you can change those circumstances because you have a word on it. You have a word on it. Hmm? If you're in lack, my God shall supply all my needs. See, you can change those circumstances. Amen. amen. That's better preaching than your amen, but I ain't got time to wait on you. Right? Amen. My, my grandfather, my mom's dad was um, sober the last 25 years of his life. Um, and so he was avid AA guy, went to, all, went to all the meetings. Even when he would come and see us in Texas, he would find the, the local AA chapter and he would go and, and, and because it did something for him. And when he passed away after he had received the Lord, praise God, and got saved the week before he died. <laughs> Amen. By the skin of my teeth. I'm just kidding. But he, um, but we prayed this prayer at his funeral. I can remember my dad saying, let's all pray this. Because my grandfather had prayed it for 25 years. And it's really quite a profound prayer. If you think about it, it says, God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change. There's the trust. The courage to change the things I can. There's faith. And the wisdom to know the difference. So how do you know when to exercise your faith and when to trust God? Well, Jesus taught us that you can pray your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So how is it in heaven? Is there any sickness there? Disease? Death? Hmm? Depression? Anxiety? Fear? Any of that there? Hatred, not there. So whatever's lawful in heaven, then you can say that's lawful on the earth. And you exercise your faith to say, as it is there, it's going to be in my house. It's going to be in my marriage. It's going to be in my kid's life. It's going to be in my body. It's going to be on, in my business. It's going to be wherever I go. Come on, talk to me this morning. And whatever's unlawful there, you can deem as unlawful here. Sickness, no, no plague shall come near my dwelling. No evil shall befall us, and no plague shall come near our dwelling in Jesus' name. And then you have a whole slew of promises that God has promised you. So Abraham's made righteous by simply believing God. Why, why did it say he believed God? Well, because God, Abraham had a, he had a little problem, and he finally voiced it with the Lord. What, how old was he when he left his father's house? You remember? 75. In Genesis 15, he's about 84 years old. Nine years I will bless you abundantly. And he gets there and there's a famine. Uh, did I miss the time? I mean, are we on the same page, Lord? And then nine years go by. 
not a child. Think about this, nine years. And the Lord says, I am the Lord God Almighty. This is the first time we see the, the words El Shaddai. God introduced himself as El Shaddai, the God uh, who is more than enough, the all-sufficient sustainer, the one who has the power to bless you. Right? This is how he introduces him. So Abraham has not heard this name yet until Genesis chapter 15. All right, now watch this. He says, um, I am your exceedingly great and precious reward or, or great reward, something like that. Walk before me and be blameless. And then Abraham finally goes, what are you going to give me? Seeing, look, I don't see what you're talking about. Seeing I go childless. You're talking about multiplying my descendants. Can we start with one? You're way over my head, God. I love this. He says, what are you going to give me? Seeing I go childless. And then the Lord responds. I love this. The Lord says, all right, come on, Abraham. He takes him. Get out of your tent. All right, get out of your tent. You're in this tent, and now all of a sudden, this tent has enclosed you where you can't see what I'm talking about. You're living inside this small world. You've compartmentalized, and now all you can see is what you see. And I'm going to teach you something, Abraham. If you have to see something, then let's, let's see something. And he takes him out. Thank you. I love you, Abraham. And he takes him outside. And he says, now, so it's nighttime. He says, look now at the stars. If you are able to number them, so shall your seed be. You've heard me say it in words. And if this is where you're at, where you've got to see it, there it is. There's your promise. And not only did he liken his descendants to the stars, but he also likened his descendants to the sand of the seashore. So he couldn't escape it day or night. During the day, he sees sand. During night, he sees stars. All he sees, looks down, looks up, and it's descendants, descendants, descendants. You asked for it, Abraham. You got to see it. There it is. And he believed in the Lord. And he believed in the Lord. See, I love this, that God met him where his faith was right here. You know, sometimes there is, no, not sometimes, every time, there is a process to faith. Faith usually begins in that kind of infantile state where, like Thomas said, unless I see it, I ain't going to believe it. Unless I put my finger in the nail prints, I ain't going to believe it. I got to see it to believe it. But faith, faith doesn't let you stay there. It doesn't, it doesn't, it grows to where you come to the place where you believe it and then you see it. And you believe it. And the proof of that comes from your mouth, your confession before you see it. And this is what happened with Abraham. He was there. I got to see it. And then when he's sacrificing Isaac on the mountain, before he gets there, Isaac says, Lord, dad, where's the sacrifice? He says, Lord, I'll provide the sacrifice. Well, wait, Isaac's the sacrifice. No, Abraham sees something. Hmm? He's learned something in this walk of faith. He's grown in his faith in God. He's grown in his trust in God, knowing that God is going to keep his promises. Okay, I'm almost through. So what does that have to do with us? Just as Abraham, Galatians 3. Can you stick with me about a couple more minutes? Didn't want to put a time on it. Just as Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness, Galatians 3, 6, and now we're at 3, 7. Therefore, no, watch this. Here's where we come in. Only those who are of faith are sons of Abraham. So you just need to know what you're connected to today. If you put your faith in Jesus, you are a son or we'll say daughter, but I'm just going to call you sons. Like the old preacher said years ago, listen, ladies, you're all sons. If you got a problem with that, I, listen, if I got to be the bride of Christ, you can be sons of God. Okay, so let's just... Let that go. <laughs> Amen. So you're all sons of God through 
What? Those who are of faith are sons of who? Abraham. Abraham. That's why we have to go look at Abraham to know what is this? What's my connection to him? And the scripture, verse 8, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles. Turn to somebody and tell them, that's you. God would just justify the Gentiles. How? By faith. Just like Abraham was justified. Just like he was declared righteous, you also are declared righteous by faith. Preach the gospel to Abraham before saying, in you all the nations shall be blessed. In other words, you are, I'm calling you from Abram, exalted father, to Abraham, father of the world. Father of many nations. Well, later on, Paul said in Romans 4 that he would be heir of the world. <laughs> this is powerful. God fought a lot of him, didn't he? So then those who are of faith, anybody of faith here? If you're of faith here, here's what you get. You are blessed with believing Abraham. Watch. Not obedient Abraham. I'm not taking away from obedience. I'm trying to get you the emphasis here. Understand. It's not obe ob he obeyed and wasn't made righteous. Remember. He was blessed. He, he did all those things, but that's not what made him righteous. He believed. You are blessed with believing Abraham. It's important that we get that. For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. Look at verse 29, the last, last verse in this chapter. And if you are Christ, then you are what? Watch. And heirs according to the promise. You know what that just taught us? That's why it's so important that we look at Abraham because what Abraham gets, you get. The blessing that's on him is on you. Huh? I remember for years I'd heard about the blessing of Abraham. Oh, I'm blessed with the blessing of Abraham. I had no idea what that was. What is that? I don't know. There's some patriarch back in the Genesis. I don't know. What does that mean? And I had to, I had to seriously go back for myself and say, why, why am I saying this and I don't even know what it is? And I've taught it many times here, and I'll continue to teach it because I want you to get it. I'm going to finish with this. Let's jump down to verse 9 of Genesis 15. And here's where we see the relationship of grace and faith. Abraham believes God makes him righteous. Isn't that powerful? Now look what God does here. After God promises him this, then Abraham has a question. And it's not because he doubts God. It's because he's curious how this is going to happen. He says, Lord, how will I know? How will I know? In other words, what's my experience in this? That I'm going to get everything that you promised. And so the Lord said, bring me a heifer. What? A three-year-old heifer. And it doesn't mean his wife. A three-year-old female goat, a three-year-old ram, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. How many animals are there? Five. What does five mean? Grace. Five is the number of grace. It's no accident. See, so all this is pointing to Calvary. Everything God does is to point us to his son. Everything. This here, the sacrifice. Now, under the law, these are all acceptable sacrifices. But the three-year-old heifer, not many could afford that. That's the richest offering you could bring. Most of, mostly that was done by the rich. They were the ones who could bring the, the expensive offering. But God didn't want to leave anybody out. So if you couldn't afford any of the rest of it, you could bring a pigeon or a young turtle dove. This is what Mary and Joseph brought. Do you remember? They brought a turtle dove and a pigeon because they didn't have much. So here's the cool thing about what Jesus has done for us. Jesus died for everybody. His blood has cleansed the rich, the poor, and everybody in between. He's taken away all the sins of the world. Thank you, Jesus. So... 
he, so look what Abraham does. So God tells him to do this. Apparently Abraham knows what to do because it, God didn't, it didn't tell us that God gave him instructions. Look at the next verse. Verse, uh, wait, where is it? 10. Then he brought all these to him and cut them in two. Down the middle, placed each piece opposite the other, but he did not cut the birds in two. This is kind of gory, isn't it? So he cuts this. How long did it take him to cut a cow in half? That takes, that's, that's no small job, right? Especially if he's got a little pin knife. <laughs> anyway, so he cuts the cow and he lays it apart like this, right? The goat, same way. The ram, the same way. And then he puts the birds here side by side so that there's a pathway because this is how they made covenant back then. Blood was shed. And so what, what these two parties made a covenant, what they're saying, and they passed through this together. They walked through it together. And in doing so, what they're saying is, I'm in this for life. And if I don't keep my end of the deal, may I end up dead like this? May I be destroyed? And if you do the same thing, if you break your covenant, then you die. This is how connected we are. This, this, this is no little contract that we've got. This is no, we'll, we'll hope for the best. No, this is for life, right? Our li- we're putting our lives on the line, walking this thing together. This is a powerful thought. God, I wish, I want us to get, remember when Andre talked about covenant? Hmm? Was to get this, just how uh, solid and thorough and concrete covenant with God is. So he has them do this. And so look what happens, though. This is amazing. And verse 11, and when the vultures came down on the carcasses, Abram drove them away. God did not immediately show up. So he's got this this blood trail, if you will, and he's waiting around on God like, well, what's next? And then these buzzards come down and and Abraham's having to shoo them away from the sacrifice. That's a whole nother sermon. I'd like to get into it, but I'm not going to today. Now, look, now when the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell upon Abram. So God hadn't shown up and then all of a sudden Abram gets tired. But I think the Lord is doing this. I think the Lord is causing this to happen. And behold, horror and great darkness fell upon him. Then he said, oh, now God shows up. He said to Abram, know certainly that your descendants will be strangers in a land that is not theirs and will serve them and they will afflict them 400 years. Wait, what happened to so shall your descendants be? Multiplied in the earth and now you're telling me my, my kids are going to be slaves? It's the first thing that God does talking about this covenant. I, I'd say, I don't know if I want to do this. This is not good news. Wait though. And also the nation whom they serve, I will judge. This would be Egypt and Moses later down the road. Afterward, they shall come out with great possessions. See, there's what Abraham, he went into Egypt, came out with great possessions. He said, they're going to end up just like you because the blessing that's on you is going to be on them. Now, as for you, look what God tells Abram. As for you, you shall go to your fathers in peace. You shall be buried at a good old age. Everybody say good old age. Come on, all the old people say, I'm just kidding. You don't have to identify yourself. In the fourth generation, they shall return here for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. Another message, can't get into it. And it came to pass when the sun went down and it was dark, watch this, that behold, there appeared a smoking oven and a burning torch that passed between the pieces. Wait a second, where, oh, wait, isn't he making covenant with Abraham? Where's Abraham? Why isn't he up walking with God in the middle of these pieces? You don't need Abram. God is making a covenant with himself. He's swearing by himself in this deal. You know what God is saying? God, you got to get this. If I fail at this, may I be destroyed. Watch. If you fail at this, may I be destroyed. (sighs) God's the only one that reaps the consequences. He's the only one passing through the pieces. 
And that's exactly what our Savior did when he went to Calvary. He bore the sins of all of us. You sinned, I'll bear it. I'll die. Woo! What a covenant. See, no man could have a part in this. Jesus took it all upon himself. This smoking oven, burning torch is, is a symbol of the Father and the Son walking this thing out together. This covenant, this love mm, between a Father and a Son that opens an invitation to all those who believe. This is so powerful. And the fact that he passed through is also a symbol of the, the Word becoming flesh, taking on flesh, having flesh and blood. On the same day, the Lord, the Lord made a covenant with Abram while Abram slept. <laughs> when you were dead, when we were dead in our trespasses, asleep forever, God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, not imputing our trespasses to us. Praise God. He has saved us to the uttermost because this is what he's chosen to do, my family. This new covenant was one that was forged by him, the one and only one who cannot deny himself. Amen. He's promised himself and he'll keep that promise forever. Amen. He has provided a new and living way, not by works of righteousness that we've done, but by his mercy, he saved us. And by his grace, we are saved by believing him. Hallelujah. Come on, somebody ought to bless the Lord for that today. Amen. Oh, that's good news. That's the best news you've heard in a while. I promise you, this is the end. Look at this. Genesis 25. See, Abraham wouldn't live long enough to see 400 years down the road. All he could do is hear. But remember, God gave him a specific promise. You will go to your fathers. You will be buried at a good old age. Now we get to Genesis 25 and verse 7. This is the sum of the years of Abraham's life, which he lived. How many? Just when you think life is coming to an end at 75. <laughs> then he starts it with God and lives 100 more years. I'd say that's a good old age. Hmm? Matter of fact, he and Sarah couldn't have any kids and then God healed them, of course, and at 100, he has Isaac. A little bit before that, there was the Ishmael event, but we won't talk about that. But then... When Abraham was about 140, Sarah finally dies. Well, Abraham, <laughs> this faith thing has done, I mean, what the blue pill can't do, I'll just say. I'm just saying it's really blessed him. And, and he gets married. Listen, he gets married to a woman named Keturah, has six more kids. This is incredible. I'm telling you, his body is just being revitalized all the time because faith in God is bringing life to him. Yeah. There's no natural reason for this to happen. There's no scientific method to, no, 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 no. We are growing corrupt. I mean, as soon as you're born, you're headed for the hole in the ground, right? I mean, that's, that's human destiny. Not Abraham, not here. When he got in faith with God, it's like it just time was suspended. Amen. It's just powerful. Anything's possible. Hey, what the blessing that's on him is on who? You didn't sound convinced of that. See, I, I'm telling you, you can be someone who's buried at a good old age. This is for everybody. That same blessing. Abraham's no different than you as far as that blessing because you're all made equal in the eyes of God by faith. 
that Abraham breathed his last and died in a good old age, an old man full of years, and was gathered to his people. So that part, knowing that, that had to give him great confidence for him to know only by God have I lived this long. God fulfilled this promise to me. I know my kids will be taken care of too. Amen. You can know that God will take care of you and he'll take care of your kids. Whatever he's promised in his word, you can have it. You must confess that. You must believe him. Take him at his word and let him do what only he can do. When grace meets faith, that's where the miraculous is known. Father, we thank you for this time together. Thank you for these precious people. Thank you for every household that's here. Lord, it is your desire to, that every house be saved. Every family, Lord, come to the saving knowledge of Christ. Thank you for what you've provided for us through the Lord Jesus Christ, who um, was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. In other words, he took the consequence upon himself. With his stripes, we are healed. We are healed. Thank you, Lord. And I thank you, Lord, for your grace that has come to us, not because we earned it, because you can't earn grace, but because you wanted us to have grace. You wanted to gift us. You established this covenant with us while we were dead in sin. And so, Lord, today, I thank you for the reality of this salvation that we have received by faith in Jesus. Because this salvation is so full. It's not just that we have everlasting life. And that's a marvelous thing. Thank you, Lord. But Lord, there are things here on this earth right now in our lives to experience in our walk of faith with God. And Father, I thank you, Lord. I don't know what everybody's needs are here, but you do. Your word says you know what we have need of before we ask. And I want to challenge you, my family, today to put your faith in God today. Put your faith in Him. You might, you might have become discouraged by what you haven't seen yet or, or that things may not have changed. Listen, learn this lesson from Abraham. Learn this lesson. It's not about having to see it or feeling it. It's about knowing by faith that God is faithful. God will fulfill His promise and He loves you and He wants to show Himself strong on your behalf. Romans 4 finishes Toward the end, like this, it says, and Abraham became fully persuaded that God was able <laughs> to perform what he promised. Hmm? You might not be fully persuaded yet, but, but start there. Keep moving forward in that persuasion. Keep saying what God has said. Keep looking to him. Don't be moved by your circumstances. Those things are all subject to change. The word of God is eternal. That rock won't move. Amen. Father, I thank you for victories. I thank you for victory setups today. You give us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. It is our Lord Jesus Christ who constantly leads us in triumph. I thank you, Lord, that this people, they know their God. They walk by faith. They are strong. They do exploits in the earth. They're not moved by their circumstances. They're not buying into the fear in this world that's rampant right now. No, we have sold ourselves out that God is true and let every man be a liar. We trust you today. We believe your word. And we apprehend what you want us to have, what you've promised us, every good thing by faith today. In Jesus' name. Leave your doubts. Leave your doubts here today. Leave your fears here. Don't carry them any longer. Don't allow them to torment you and to plague you any longer. God's got a life of blessing and abundance. God's not given you a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Get what he's, kept, what he's given you. 
power, love, and a sound mind. I know there are some of you battling that anxiety. I used to battle it for years. I'm telling you, power, love, and a sound mind is what God has given you. Do not allow that stuff to continue in your life. You fight. You fight for what God has given you. You fight that good fight of faith. And you declare that I do not have the spirit of fear. God has not given that to me. I have been given the spirit of power and of love and of a sound mind. Amen. What's the point of being a Christian if we don't get to have that? If we're just going to be plagued with any everyday person out there that, that doesn't have a relationship with God. If we're being overcome by the same things, what's the point? I don't want the title. I want the life. Huh? I want the life. I want the experience. And that's why he came to give it to us. And he needs you to believe. Believe him today. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Can I just lead you in a confession? Say this with me today. Right now, I believe God. Doubt, fear, anxiety, discouragement, they will not stop me from believing God. I will not be moved by my circumstances any longer. I will not be moved by my feelings any longer. I will believe God from this day forward. It's a greater experience in faith with God. In Jesus' name. Amen. I'm telling you right now, I feel the Lord is just, I see, I see miracles like, like, a, like a, um, um, a plant that's growing underground that's just about to burst through. Just about to burst. I mean, it's just right there, right there, right there, right there. And what I want to say is keep that faith pressure on. Don't keep pressure on you. Keep faith pressure on. You keep your confession out there. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening. And we hope you enjoyed the message. For more information about One Cause Church, please visit us online at onecausechurch.com.